What is going on in Kentucky with the Asbury Revival? In fact, what is revival? Should I be pursuing revival? How does this affect what is going on with my personal life? And is this something I should be pursuing? Should I be buying an airline ticket to go to Asbury? What in the world is happening? Listen, with the Asbury Revival, front of headlines and topics of conversation, which is just amazing, I think, it actually stirs a lot of questions. And these are some of the questions we'll be addressing in today's episode. But because opinions and speculation are rampant right now, I decided to have an author, Larry Sparks, come on the show who has written multiple books on this topic just to see what thoughts he had and what perspective he can give. And he's actually been to Asbury, and so he shares some of his experiences from that uh, encounter as well. And so make sure while you're listening to this episode, find the subscribe button to my channel so that you can make sure and not miss any future content that I put out. Otherwise, let's jump into this episode and you can feel free to share it with a few friends. (laughs) Let's go. Hi, you're listening to Java with Jen with your host, Jenna Lee Samuel. On this show, I bring the simplicity of hearing God's voice into everyday life in a no-nonsense, authentic, and super practical way. With coffee in hand and real life in our faces, let's do this. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for joining me today at Java with Jen. I have a new guest on the show that he's a new friend of mine, Mr. Larry Sparks, and I've come to know him through some mutual friends. Um, But I wanted to have him on the show because he is an author and has written on topics like Pentecost and revival. And this is a topic that's very much a passion point of his and something he has a lot of um, history digging into and and acquaintance with. And I'll let him get into really the nitty gritty of it. But I wanted to have him on the show because everybody is talking right now about the Asbury revival and what's going on there. And people come from such diverse backgrounds. Sometimes we know a lot of us have connotations with the word revival. And some people have never heard it and just make assumptions what that could mean. And so I just kind of wanted to uh, dress down that topic and figure out kind of what that means for the average believer and, and what God's heart may be in moments of revival that hit the earth. And so Larry, thank you so much for coming on the show with me. Uh, it's a joy to be with you, Jen. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So my listeners may or may not be familiar with who you are. So why don't you give us a little background of who you are, where you come from, and how this ended up like a on your radar, this topic? Sure. Well, I have been in ministry now for over 20 years. Uh, for over 15 years, I have been in Christian publishing, starting with the Adrian Rogers ministry, who is a notable Southern Baptist expository preacher. And then for the last 10 years, I've been the publisher at Destiny Image, which is all about publishing charismatic, spirit-filled books of the Pentecostal genre. But ever since I came to know the Lord in 1999, just to give you kind of the 90-second story, I was brought up in a very traditional environment where we went to church. I got my first communion, was baptized as baby. I always liked God. I was always respectful towards God, but really had no burning desire or passion whatsoever to serve him. Mm -hmm. I went to a very conservative evangelical school when we moved from Connecticut to Florida. And I remember telling people, listen, I probably got saved, came to Jesus 27 times because (laughs) I did not want to miss the rapture and I did not want to go to hell. Um, Those were things that were very much ingrained in me. And again, listen, you don't want to miss when Jesus comes back and you certainly don't want to go to hell. But I wanted enough of God to basically keep me safe 
for my eternal destination. Yeah. Um, so I just went through my Christian evangelical school life, doing my own little thing, whatever. But then in 1999, uh, I started to drive and I went to a local church that I had heard about where they had contemporary praise and worship. Back in 1999 with yeah. drums and guitars and all that, that yeah. was a big deal. Yeah. So <laughs> I went, make a long story short, in the environment of one of those worship sets, mm -hmm. I encountered the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit. What does mm -hmm. that mean? It means a God that I knew about conceptually became real. I actually felt fire in my chest mm -hmm. in the middle of worship. And then I actually felt my hands starting to tremble. I mean, I didn't need faith to feel this. This was a real physical response to the manifestation of the presence of God. Wow. And from that simple experience, nothing more dramatic happened than that. I said, I need to give my life mm -hmm. to knowing a God who is real and yeah. also bringing other people into an encounter with the real and living God. Cause he's not a concept. He is not an idea. Right. He is real. And if that's indeed true, then that changes everything about how we live our lives. So yeah. you know, fast forward and here I am. That's awesome. That's awesome. So now were you fascinated with charismatic Pentecostal stuff because of that encounter or was it when you started at destiny or that's why you ended up at destiny? Sure. It was that encounter in 1999. I was 16 wow. years old. I didn't have that language at all. In fact, the church I was attending was not necessarily a charismatic or Pentecostal church. It was more non-denominational. So I started searching out people, teaching, even just going through the scriptures. Okay. I need to put what I experienced in some kind of a context. God is obviously real. He wow. can be known. He can be felt. He can be experienced. Mm -hmm. So I started to really study that. And, you know, very quickly I learned, okay, God, God is real and can be known this way. So that really is what led me on my journey, ultimately finding me to places like Destiny Image. So that's really yes. cool. And I feel like, honestly, I mean, even what we see in scripture where I know there's a passage that talks about that uh, many will be, uh, they'll have, um, oh shoot, now it's escaping me, but that something lacking the power. Oh shoot, now scripture. Oh no, they'll listening. have a form of, no, I got you. Form they, of godliness. They will have a form of godliness and deny the power. Yeah. Yes, yes. And so I feel like that from what I've seen in reading through the New Testament, how Jesus operated and and when power showed up, the whole point of the power of the spirit and experiences like yours is that it's becomes a witness for us. Yeah. Like, Hey, God is real. And it's meant to draw us to seek him out, to stir that hunger for Jesus. It validated his message because it was different. That's what made him different than the Pharisees, right? It set him apart yes. because there was power behind it. And a lot of believers, I think, um, especially if they've grown up in church, grow disillusioned because their faith is a form of godliness, but lacks power. They didn't, they didn't witness people engaging with and encountering those powerful places in God. And so that is huge. That's totally what it's meant for the journey that the Lord took you on from there. So, well, and that's what I encourage people when you study the scriptures, because I'm all about the power of God and the word of God, and it's yeah. not one or the other. It is a hundred percent both. But when I read the scriptures in context, not pulling stuff out of, you know, making it say whatever I want it to say, when I read the word of God, I am introduced to a God who is knowable, to a God who is real, to a God who has not changed. And everything I read about in the scripture provokes me yeah. to a deeper measure of encounter or experiential knowledge of him. Jesus actually said this in the book of John. He said, this is eternal life, that you would know God and you'd know Jesus Christ who he sent. 
But when you actually look up the word know, that you'd know God, comes from a Greek word that actually refers to experiential knowledge. In other words, it's not just head knowledge. It's not, I've got all my information about God. If I have a lot of information about him that I can quickly regurgitate and sound impressive, but I don't have a vibrant, living, walking relationship with him that ultimately has a measurable impact on my life, then I'm only fooling myself. And I have exactly what you were talking about. I have a form of godliness without power. So- Yeah. yeah, I feel like in some circles, and we'll we'll drive into our topic, but this conversation's already great. Um, sure. I feel like in some circles, people people will neglect power because they feel like they're leaning into faith. They're like, "Well, I'm in faith, so I don't need to see proof. I just trust God." And sure. I feel like faith is actually meant to be the vehicle that drives us into discovering those deeper places of power and manifestation of God. Exactly. Faith is one of those things that it actually grabs hold of everything that's written in scripture and brings it into reality. In other words, what I read about in scripture, what I read about as truth, Mm. I have faith in it. But one aspect of faith is saying, I believe it. There's another aspect of faith. Faith without works is dead. Mm -hmm. So what I read about in the word, I want to pray it. I want to obey it. I want to partner with it. So like you're saying, faith is not a matter of, well, I just believe that. I believe what I read about in scripture. That's good enough for me. Mm -hmm. True faith. Because you know what? The demons even believe informationally, or they believe believe concepts about God and they tremble. Mm -hmm. But what distinguishes you or I is through the power of the Holy Spirit. And by partnering with the word of God, we can, through our faith, Take that which is written in scripture and see it manifest Mm -hmm. before our eyes. And I know people may be like, well, manifest, you know, isn't that like a new age thing or whatever? It's like, I understand that there are people out there wanting to manifest whatever reality or whatever desires they have. I'm just talking about in its true and honest form, the word manifest is to take that which is veiled or hidden and see it come to pass. Mm -hmm. And again, I want to see everything in the scriptures that God has promised and that Jesus made available to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. I want us to be a people who don't just talk about it, but walk in it. Yes, absolutely. And that's part of why I'm so passionate. Like people know that my podcast is teaching people how to hear God's voice for everyday life. I'm trying to build a bridge for believers. And it blew me away when, uh, when I had had multiple people ask me, how do you hear God's voice? Like three different people within two days. And I, I finally, told the Lord, I was like, look, maybe I should be asking you this question. Like, what should I be telling these people? And he spoke to me and he said, generally, first of all, my people need to expect that I will speak to them. And it kind of was a eye opener because I have always believed God will speak to us. I believe that hearing God's voice and learning how to hear God's voice and be led by the Holy spirit is the bridge. It's the pathway that we go from seeing concepts to experiencing this path because God will give us instruction and God will lead us by his spirit, how to get there. No, absolutely. He sure will. That's awesome. That's, I wanted to pull that in for my listeners who are regularly listening to tie them into this topic. Okay. So the Asbury revival is a hot topic right now. How can you help the average listener who may or may not have context for revival, what it means when a revival hits. And and you and I talked a little when we were with the staff last week, um, just about uh, negative connotations or misnomers or even disheartenedness that mm. for people who've grown up in charismatic circles, the term revival 
for me anyways, elicits this sense of discouragement because I've been in so many environments where they're like, we're chasing revival. We're pursuing revival. And it felt like we would never lay hold of it. You never knew what would create revival. You didn't know how to get it there. And then it made me feel like, well, that cheapens what I'm experiencing with the Lord. Like I am experiencing revival in my quiet time and my personal life. So how would you kind of repackage that word revival? And how does that apply to what's going on to Asbury? I'd say what's going on at Asbury is number one, they're experiencing a spirit of revival. Uh, everybody wants to identify everything very quickly. Oh, that's revival. That's revival. And I'm listen, I'm not a cynic and I'm not a critic. Uh-huh. I went there actually. And mm-hmm. I do believe what those students, those kids, it makes me feel old, um, are experiencing <laughs> is a real genuine spirit of revival. I think, and this might be a controversial statement to make, but I'm going to say it because I think it needs to be said. I think what's going on there is also a reaction to the commercialization of contemporary Christianity. I think Mm -hmm. also you have a generation that has been sold a false bill of goods where we have done, listen, this is not at anybody's In other words, I'm not pointing a finger of blame. We've inherited a model of Christianity, which is basically said in order to engage the next generation, young people, you need to be cool. You need to be hip. You need to be relevant. In the 90s and 2000s, it was like pizza parties and video games. And of course, it's like we got to have coffee and donuts and all that kind of stuff. But the reality is what I saw at Asbury so encouraged me. These students were so hungry for the simple presence of the Lord for coming to the altar, repentance of sin, simple worship. They didn't have any of the trimmings. There was no professional live streaming. It wasn't in a cool venue. I mean, the venue where they were having that is 100 years old. So the reality is this. I do think we are seeing a response to entertainment-driven Christianity. Mm -hmm. And for any pastor, leader, spiritual leader, we need to pay attention to the outcry. In fact, as I say that, I do feel the presence of the Lord on that. We need to pay attention to the outcry because I'm quite convinced in the days ahead, if you decide we're going to just gather some people together and have a prayer meeting, people will come. Well, what if, you know, uh, I think of Jeremiah Lamphier. He was a name from 1857, and he was really uh, responsible for pioneering what they called the layman's prayer revival up in New York City. What encouraged me about this guy is that he started to host these prayer meetings. And the first one he did, only six people showed up. I think that might, I might be over-exaggerating there. Six people showed up in the 21st century. If we did a meeting and six people showed up, we would consider that meeting a failure and we'd move on and actually say that that strategy did not work. But my encouragement is If we create space, if hungry people, spiritually hungry people come together, and I do believe there is a strong element that we see even at Asbury for community. Mm -hmm. If you get spiritually hungry, seeking people together in one place, whether it's 10 or whether it's 1500, like we're seeing in those meetings, they will experience the Holy Spirit. God will indeed be present among them. And that's one of the, you know, people are like, well, what's the secret sauce behind the Asbury thing? Well, I would say you have 1500 people in one building who all want to be there versus sometimes on Sunday morning. And that can be at any church. You have people who show up out of obligation out of a, this is what I need to do. I got to go to church. So when you have people who all show up and they are seeking God wholeheartedly, 
they will meet him. That's what we're seeing right now at these Asbury meetings. I'm encouraged. I see it almost as an indicator light of what God is doing on a macro level. Mm -hmm. So and all these other places where we're seeing similar things happen at different universities and churches, I champion it. I encourage it. Um, But yeah, true revival, if we were going to identify that to me, is actually a return to Pentecost. True revival is return to everything that we see normative in the early first century church. And dare I say, I put on my church historian hat for a moment, for the first 325 years or so of Christianity, there was no subsection that was called charismatic or Pentecostal. Mm. The church that was birthed on the day of Pentecost, and that Mm. really continued for 300 years or so, was a charismatic church, so much so that when somebody got water baptized, Mm -hmm. there was often the expectation that when they came up out of the baptismal waters, they would speak in tongues, Mm. be delivered of demons, experience a dramatic baptism of the Holy Spirit, and some would get healed. Mm. So there was an expectation in the early church of the move of the Holy Spirit. It was normative, and it was only as spirit of religion came in, traditionalism, Mm. formalism, uh, a a church that became political. I'm not saying a church that engaged in politics. I'm talking about a church that embraced a political system. All of that actually killed or shut down that demonstrative supernatural element of the church. Mm -hmm. It wasn't God sovereignly removing his spirit. Um, It was the church saying, you know what? There's other things we are going to place value on above the move of the Holy Spirit, the preaching of the gospel. And here we are, 21st century. I do believe God is raising up an outcry once again, where Mm -hmm. people are saying, we have to have what the early church experienced if we are going to see nations transformed, souls saved, and culture influenced. Yeah. Well, and I love what I love about Asbury, kind of going back to where what you were talking about with the hunger of the young people and the the misdirect that we've been feeding uh ministers of those age groups, like, hey, you've got to entertain, you gotta have pizza, you gotta have lights is that this generation has grown up on social media. And so they've grown up in a climate of never knowing if they can trust what they're being fed. Uh, if it's, it, they, it's almost like living on candy and junk food. And it's, it's fun for a time and it satisfies the taste buds, but your body recognizes, recognizes eventually this is not nutrition. And eventually you'll begin to despise it because it's like, right. Ugh, that's not, that's not good. That's not what I'm built for. And the word of God is clear that eternity is written in the hearts of men. And so whether they're little, whether they're old, no matter how they've been raised, eternity is written in all of our hearts. There is a driving compass on the inside of us that is meant to drive us to the nutrition of an encounter with the Lord. And I feel like the benefit of this generation is that they are so oversaturated with what is non-nutritive spiritually that they are going to be craving the real authentic nutrition, if you will, of what the Holy Spirit offers and how God resonates, how he brings peace. They've gone through trauma the last two years, the whole world has. And people, I thought it was interesting that everyone who's gone to Asbury has mentioned how gentle and how, um, how kind and how 
just nourishing the atmosphere is because that's the Lord meeting us where we are. Everybody needs gentleness right now because we've been so overstimulated and over attacked by what's going on in the nations. And so um, I just feel like that puts ministers, youth ministers, college ministers at an advantage of just pairing back to the basic because that is the nutrition that they're looking for. I feel like. Amen. That's good. I I would agree. Okay. That's awesome. Um, Okay. So I've seen a lot of posts um, about prophetic words related to this current revival outbreak. I know Bob Jones had that prophecy about when the Chiefs win, I think it was in the 90s or so, maybe the early 2000s, he had this word that when the Chiefs win, that this will be, uh, when the Super Bowl, that this will be a marker of the third grade awakening. Now, when they won in 2020, in my heart, I felt like it was a precursor in my spirit. I just felt like, I don't think this is the one he was talking about. I think this is a precursor to get our attention. And, uh, and then of course, when it happened this year, then the Asbury revival broke out. Ironically in 1970, the year the chiefs won was the same year Asbury broke out in revival. And that was the last time the chiefs won before 19 or 2020. And so what other prophetic words are you aware of that have been spoken to this kind of uh, revival outbreak or what does this mean for us in the body of Christ and what God is doing right now? I feel like I've heard a lot of prophets talk about as we see revival stirring, especially um, in the younger generation, Lana Vazer, she and I were talking about yes. the kids yeah. and the youth and all of that. And uh, so share with us what you know about that. I, I'm going to share probably a different perspective on this because obviously my day job is publisher of Destiny Image. We publish the prophets. Um, but here's a word that I'm anchored on. And I think this is going to encourage people because I've obviously heard about and familiar with the Bob Jones prophecies and could indeed those be wonderful indicators of what God is doing? Absolutely. I'm, I'm not, I'm not at all writing that off. I, I celebrate that. In fact, I would go as far to say, I believe true revival began to significantly stir in 2020. Yeah. So many people were like, oh, he had that word and the Kansas City Chiefs won and then COVID came. Let me say this oh, though, the beginning. my dear friend, Jesse Green, her and her husband, Parker, were doing revival gatherings right in the middle of COVID in you know Orange County on the beaches. Thousands were coming out, yeah. being water baptized, delivered of demons, repenting of sins. She was up there with a bullhorn preaching. So that was going on. You had the North Georgia revival going on in mm-hmm. Dawsonville with Todd Smith. Although, you know, people are like, who's Todd Smith? People don't even know who the guy is because he's not out there to make a name for himself. They've been going now five years wow. with people who are getting water baptized, being delivered, healed significantly touched, baptized by the Holy Spirit. They've got like Mm -hmm. a thousand people every week coming. I think a fresh start church with Kim Owens. They've been going seven, eight years, the ramp with Karen Wheaton. So, but I do believe in 2020, there was a significant indicator light going off of revival, particularly with those beach revivals. And that I think showed a real picture of God's desire is, yes, I'm grateful for gatherings that happen in our meetings, in our church sanctuaries and all that. But I think simultaneously, revival is going to also happen in the field, people taking it outside of the doors. I think it's both, as we saw in the Great Awakenings of old, you had preachers who thundered from the pulpits, and then you had the Cane Ridge revival where people were out in the field experiencing the power of God as you had multiple preachers 
preaching and heralding the gospel. So I think what we're yeah. stepping into, and perhaps one of the prophets that I know and trust who most accurately, and they wouldn't even call themselves a prophet, who, who's put it in a context that I can totally agree with is Tim Sheets. Tim is Dutch yeah. Sheets' brother. Yeah. And he talked about, we were stepping into a time called the convergence of the ages where mm-hmm. every single move of God that we've seen throughout history is going to converge in one singular mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. I was just talking with John Bevere, who's written obviously many best-selling books, but he believes that what we are stepping into the mm-hmm. days prior to the second coming of Jesus will make the book of Acts look like child's play. Amen. So I'm hearing reputable words because, you know, there's a lot of prophetic interestingness going out there right now. (laughs) I cannot validate or confirm everyone who claims to be a prophet or prophetic, but I do believe that there are legitimate words that point to the day in which we are living in and we are Mm -hmm. seeing stirrings and signs of this. It's no longer revival is coming. It's a move of God. Revival is here. And my last thought about this, which is perhaps the, um, the less glitzy perspective, because everybody wants to know what are the prophets saying? Well, I believe that accurate prophets are prophesying into this, but the prophetic word that I build my life on is Mm -hmm. in Joel chapter two. And then of Mm -hmm. course, stated by Peter in Acts chapter two, Mm -hmm. where it says in the last days, the New York Times bestselling prophet declares that doesn't it, it doesn't say that <laughs> it doesn't say the prognosticator or the social media prophet or the uh-huh. bestselling author. It says in the last days, God declares yeah. like if we're going to build our lives on any prophecy concerning the last days of the end times, yeah. we want to build our lives, our ministries, everything on what God himself declares. And I love it when yeah. God speaks into the time of the last days and times, he actually doesn't speak about antichrist or mark of the beast or financial systems. All of those things we need to be aware of and we need to be studied on. But it says in the last days, God declares, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. And that's his objective. That's been his target for 2000 years. The Holy Spirit was never sucked back up into the atmosphere. Uh, Holy Spirit's been poured out for 2000 years, looking for people looking to partner with people who say, God, we will make room for you. We will stand on your word. And we say, Holy Spirit, come and do whatever you want to do. So that's the prophetic word that I unwaveringly, unmovingly stand on. Joel 2, Acts 2, in the last days, he'll pour out his spirit on all flesh. That's so good. That's so good. I love that. Yes, because while yes, we should pay attention to the prophets because there's a reason the Lord gives us the prophets, right? Big time. But that what a lot of people miss, especially when you have a prophet, it can seem like they're prophesying polar opposite things. And I'm like, here's what you guys miss. The prophets only see in part. And like, you can look, I, I did this with my kids when they would like be arguing about a situation. I took a photo and I covered up half of the photo and showed it to one kid and asked them to describe, what do you see in this picture? And then I'd cover up another portion and show it to another. What do you see in this picture? And another, the third portion. And they all saw something different but it was all part of the same photo. And I was like, none of you are wrong. All of you only see a part of it. And so the prophets, if you listen to each individual and think they see the whole picture, you're going to think they're standing in opposition to each other. And some of them could miss it, you know, but what we miss is that it's only part of the picture, but Jesus and God in the word of God, he sees the whole picture. He may not give us the whole thing, but he sees the whole thing. And so it's always with the big picture in view. And I love that. Um, that's so good. Okay. So let's see, we are wrapping to the end here. Let me ask you if there was, 
God has made it clear that there's something that he wants to accomplish in the earth, pouring out his spirit, like you just described. I am a firm believer. And I've always, I've always believed this since I was in college, um, that there is a way to take what God's big vision is and bring it daily into my daily disciplines, my daily practice, because for one, tomorrow's not promised. So if I'm going to live out that vision, there's a way to do it today because tomorrow's not promised. And I want to live out that vision today. And so what would you say to individual believers? How can they take up their responsibility in what God is doing in the earth now, instead of having to wait for some divine outpouring like Asbury? I would say this is number one, wherever you find yourself right now, not tomorrow, not two weeks, not well, when the big break comes and the prophetic word comes to pass and everything God promised, I get, you know, we, we, we're so often waiting for something to happen before we're obedient, mm. before we do what God wants us to do right now. So my encouragement is wherever God has you, whether it's school, whether at your place of employment, if you're a homeschool parent, wherever you are, recognize that that is the place that God has sovereignly placed you. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Part of the all flesh mandate. You know, he said, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. Do you know how all flesh will actually get to experience the outpouring of the spirit? Mm -hmm. All flesh can't fit in a building. All yeah. flesh can't fit in a sanctuary. All flesh could not fit in Brownsville or Toronto or all flesh can't fit in Asbury. But guess what? When you and I carry the Holy Spirit, his presence, mm -hmm. his solutions, his power, his love, the fruit of the spirit, the gifts of the spirit. I'm not trying to minimize it. I'm trying to make it extremely practical, relatable, yes. and easy. When yeah. you and I recognize I carry the outpouring of the Holy Spirit wherever I go yeah. to whoever God puts me in proximity to, then you are actually playing a vital role mm -hmm. in what we read about in scripture, that macro vision of in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. You are playing an integral role in that when you recognize, well, the Holy Spirit lives inside of me. Yeah. So wherever I go, wherever I show up, I get to bring him there. And my question for you is when you go into those places, you know, it's easy for us to just go through the humdrum of everyday life. But my encouragement is, when you go to wherever God has called you to go on a regular basis, say, Holy Spirit, how can I host you well here? Mm. How can I represent Jesus through your power? What word do you want me to speak to this person? Ask God questions because, again, this is a podcast about hearing the voice of God. And I want to encourage you when you ask him questions, he will answer. It's just realizing I'm not waiting for one day, someday, something to come out of heaven and hit yeah. me. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, okay, then I'm going to serve the Lord. Holy Spirit lives inside of you right now. Steward his presence. Interact mm -hmm. with him because he wants to use you presently wherever he has you amen that's so good that's so good okay so unfortunately we are running low on time which just makes me sad um so let me go ahead and close with this what are uh you have a book you've talked to us a little bit about the books that you have especially if anyone that's listening is like man i need to learn more about this what books do you have that you would suggest they read i'd probably recommend uh, i mean my book here pentecostal fire 
Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of went for the jugular and the title. I don't regret that because it, <laughs> you know, it definitely does not sound like this warm. Okay. Now this, this, but well, I guess it's warm. It's got fire, right. but the, the subtitle is, uh, your supernatural inheritance. And the reality is I believe the inheritance of every single believer and follower of Jesus is the Pentecostal power mm-hmm. of the Holy Spirit. That was yeah. not reserved for just one moment or one time in history. Yeah. It did not end when the last apostle died or the word of God, the scripture became canonized. Those are, yeah. I believe, teachings that have sadly infected yeah infiltrated the church basically it's called cessationism saying well the holy spirit doesn't move in those demonstrative powerful ways anymore to the degree that we believe those deceptions then we will walk and live powerlessly but to the degree that we believe you know what everything that the early church walked in everything that they enjoyed for the first 300 plus years of christianity that's my inheritance too that's the inheritance of the modern church just as much as it was for 1904 Uh, Evan Roberts in the Welsh Revival, or 1906 in the Azusa Street Revival, or 1800s, 1700s with Finney and Jonathan Edwards. All of that, I believe, is our inheritance Mm. now. Not back then and not one day someday. And I believe when we partner with that truth that we have Holy Spirit now and we have his power available now, then we will live accordingly so yeah, my recommendation, I think that book um, will provoke you to really re-examine, okay, what does it look like to live the normal Christian life and um, what role does the power of God play yeah. in that? That's so good. And I would encourage those of you who are listening, like, why do I need a book about this? Why do I need to learn about this? What, how is that going to impact my life? Listen, you don't have to read a book. Go read the Bible and spend time with Jesus. Yeah. But if you go and read, like he's talking about the revelations that are there, it's going to stir a hunger in you. You're going to hear about believers that have grabbed what you want to grab. It's going to create revelation in your heart that the Holy Spirit uh, is breathing on this knowledge and these insights and these experience of other people, the testimonies of others. And what that do is it will actually create spiritual life in you that does help you grow and does help you take action on the hunger that the Lord is stirring inside of you. And it's meant to do that. Oh, thanks. thanks. That's my heart behind that. Absolutely. So um, I just want to ask, how do how do people connect with you if they want to connect with you and kind of listen more to what you've got out there? Yeah, the best place, LarrySparksMinistries.com. And then, of course, you can find me, Larry Sparks Ministries on Facebook or just Larry Sparks on Instagram. Those are the places where I'm kind of sharing you know, what is the Lord doing? Where are we going and traveling and ministering and speaking? And yeah, that's that's where that's the best place. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Larry. Listen, I appreciate, I appreciate your heart. I appreciate your message. I've really enjoyed getting to know you because I feel like, I feel like you're my tribe. Like I, I understand and I hear your heart and where you're coming from and I resonate with it. And so just thank you for what you're doing to stir the body and um, play your part. So thank you very much. Oh, thanks, Jen. Pre- appreciate this. Absolutely. Well, you guys, listen, uh, make sure you're subscribed so you catch next week's episode. Thank you so much for coming. Go check out Larry Sparks online. Check out his book, Pentecostal Fire. And we will see you guys next week. Thanks so much for coming. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. Listen, 
let's stay connected. Come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen, where you can follow the latest and say, hey, it's a really great way to stay in touch. Many of you have also asked how you can support the show. You can make donations through the Anchor app or on Patreon, or of course, by sharing, rating, and reviewing on social media and iTunes as well. Your heartfelt feedback always reminds me why I do this. Also, don't miss our merch store where you can get super cool Java with Jen swag and coffee. Find it at javawithjenmerch.com. Until next time, remember, hearing God's voice is simple and he wants to be a part of your everyday life. See you next week.